Hawks didn't exactly have a splashy first couple of days to free agency. Welcome to The Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC, and, you know, our trusty, handy-dandy producer Daniel Salerson is, of course, here with me today. We're going to get into what happened, what didn't happen in those first three days of free agency. As a reminder, free agency kicked off on Friday, beginning at 6 p.m. That's when the moratorium on teams being able to negotiate with free agents was lifted, but... We're going to get into how the Hawks didn't really have any splashy uh, signings that have come out, but they did make a trade. And so before we get into that, if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So... Again, as I mentioned, when we opened this show, the Hawks didn't really make any big waves or a lot of noise when free agency opened up on Friday. But I don't think we're totally surprised about that. I think, you know, there was hope that with some of that flexibility that they would have at least tried to go out and kind of bring in someone (laughs) With that new trade exception that was created when they traded for John Collins. But there's still time. They have until Thursday, July 6th, when things kind of close down. But we'll see. Daniel, were you particularly surprised that we didn't see anything splashy as far as, you know, big trades to go out and get some, you know, free agents? No, not at all. I feel like this was kind of what we expected. At least I expected from the Hawks. I think you did, too. John Collins was the most viable candidate to be shipped out, and he certainly was. But as far as maybe a Clint Capella or potentially a DeJounte Murray or DeAndre Hunter, I just didn't see that happening unless there was the right piece to be traded back to the Hawks. You mentioned the flexibility. They don't really have a lot as far as just signing a free agent. It'd have to be via the trade exception, as you mentioned. And so I just think it would have been hard for them to to try to find someone to make a deal as big as everyone would have liked them to do with this team. But look, I mean, this team made it to the playoffs last year. Obviously, people thought, yeah, they're a middle-of-the-road team. We saw it last year with, with how they finished. And I don't know if they're confident as far as this team running it back. But you did get some key pieces in the draft. Um, you did make the trade, as you mentioned, I'm sure that you'll 
talk about here in just a little bit. But at the same time, you said it's not over and the trade exception can be used now, could be used at the trade deadline to make a splash, or it's got a whole year to be used. So it could even use next offseason when you have DeJounte Murray as a free agent and things like that. So no, I'm not surprised, but uh, it's really early. Damian Lillard has not been traded yet either. So that could that could be a domino effect for a little bit more action. And we'll see what goes from there. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, there are a couple of things that are floating around still, as you mentioned, the Damian Lillard situation with Portland and and how they're probably, you know, looking at all the options that are in front of them as far as how they move him, just because, again, they he doesn't have that no trade clause like Bradley Beal. And so the Trailblazers can do literally anything that they want as far as making sure that they're they're doing the right thing for them. And, you know, based on that statement that Joe Cronin released on Saturday, when all of that kind of went into play, it seemed like they're now just like, we're going to do what's best for us. Thanks, Dame, for your services. <laughs> Which, you know, in my opinion, I don't love the optics of that, but this is why I'm not in the front office. I, but again, this isn't, a trailblazers podcast i think also we have to watch what happens with james harden in philadelphia you know he opted into his his option there and the 76ers are again they're going to be exploring as many options as possible and i think one of the reasons that we haven't seen any shoes drop yet in either of those situations is because they're likely looking for another team to kind of join in and make things possible just because I don't think there are enough outright deals or outright situations in place that they can just kind of pull the trigger on. And I think it's a bit more complicated than that. So maybe the Hawks are one of those teams that's in the mix for some do- like part of that domino effect of, of something falling. So again, we don't want to say that the Hawks are done. Again, they have until July 6th. At noon, that's when everything kind of starts to become official for the league year. So even though technically free agency has closed, meaning that that's when all the negotiating has to stop, that's July 6th at noon, that doesn't mean that we won't see fallout from deals that were negotiated. So we could still see things announced or reported or and, and such like that as far as free agents that the team signed. But... Even though they didn't, you know, make any big splashy trades, they did, in fact, make a trade. And so the Hawks ended up sending out the draft rights to Alpha Kaba, who they drafted in 2017. It's crazy to believe that they just had this guy's draft rights kind of floating around and that's all that they sent out. And in return, they got two former first rounders in Tai Tai Washington, who, you know, was drafted last year. And then Usman Garuba, who I believe was drafted two years ago. They also got two second round draft picks, as well as some cash from the Houston Rockets. So the fact that they got such a haul without having to really give up a lot, it's pretty good. I'm not terribly mad at this, this trade. Again, they get the bigger or they get the bigger haul from that. And they get two potential players that can kind of fill out the bench who are both cheap. (laughs) And with a team that's, you know, consistently worried about 
the salary cap, especially, you know, moving on from John Collins last week as they did. I think that's a pretty, pretty good situation to be in. Of course, it still is a little bit messy in terms of the number of players that they have on the roster, but they have they still have a lot of time to kind of, you know, work through that. I think with Summer League, they'll kind of get a sense of you know, some of those guys who have those non-guaranteed deals um, and whether or not they'll waive them. So again, there's still some time. So Daniel, when you saw initially that trade and what they were able to get back for so little, what was your first reaction? I had two reactions. First was, ooh, they made a trade. Second yeah. <laughs> reaction is, what the heck are the Houston Rockets doing? Um, right. But it seems like they are clearly clearing some cap space because they have spent a ton of money on free agency. They spent $80 million on Dylan Brooks. They spent $130 million, I believe, on Fred Van Vliet. They tried to go after Brooke Lopez from what you hear in the in the Twitterverse. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're done. They made a trade to yeah. acquire Patty Mills, but he will not stay with the team. He'll go somewhere else. So this team has been wheeling and dealing. I think with all that money that they brought in, I think they needed to one clear some roster space and one clear some cap space. So props to Atlanta for stepping in for them. It was just kind of helping yeah. Houston out. You take two rookie deals in Ty Ty Washington and Garuba, mm-hmm. and you think like you mentioned, you you put them in, you put them through training camp, see what they have. Obviously, they're on guaranteed contracts. They either ride the bench or they maybe get a little bit of playing time depending on how they do in Quinn Snyder's system. So you got two second-round picks back that you gave away in the Sadiq Bay trade, so you are at least starting to accumulate a couple of second-round picks back, and you get some cash out of it. So I I really like the deal for the Hawks as far as there's really no risk in what they did because they gave away the draft rights to someone that was drafted six years ago, and so Mm -hmm. really no harm, no foul, whatever happens with with these those two guys that were um packaged in so yeah the, the rockets have been one of those teams that you're trying to figure out what they're doing you kind of get what they're doing but you don't and with the yeah. hawks it was pretty simple of what they did there they just got some players uh, off the rockets and in our project players so we'll see what happens with them and i think one of the interesting things that kind of came to light as far as what the rockets did is that you know, part of the reason that they moved on from Garuba and Washington was because they, like you said, they were trying to clear some of that roster space and some of that cap space so that they could bring Brooke Lopez aboard. But he ended up re-signing with the Bucks, And uh, according to a report that I saw on Twitter, you know, that kind of blindsided the Rockets a little bit, which I'm kind of like wondering why. <laughs> Were they blindsided? But obviously I was not in the room for the conversations that were happening between them and Brooke Lopez's camp. But they ended up sticking with, you know, the deal that they made with Atlanta and they didn't renege on it, which, you know, kudos to them as well for that. But, you know, with the acquisition of Washington and Garuba, the Hawks now have 16 players on their roster, technically three of them, as I mentioned, are non-guaranteed deals. And part of, you know, part of those three players who don't have those non-guaranteed deals are Tyrese Martin, who was their second round pick from last year's draft, Vic Krejci, who they acquired from the Thunder uh, for Mo Harkless um, last year, right before they were set to head overseas to Abu Dhabi for those preseason games. And then uh, Bruno Fernando, who 
you know, they've already kind of extended that deadline as far as the decision that they're going to make in terms of whether his contract becomes guaranteed. And I think if I'm being honest, one of my first thoughts when I saw that they acquired Garuba was that that means, and then also you have to factor in that they extended the deadline. That means that Bruno, that kind of gave me a little bit of confirmation that they were likely moving on from Fernando. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense just because that guaranteed money comes guaranteed here in just a few days. So if you get a guy like Garuba, who from from what I heard, I haven't really watched too much of him, but can be a pretty good defensive player, but just really hasn't gotten the minutes um, mm-hmm. in Houston, which is surprising because of how young they've been that he wouldn't get a little bit of playing time there being a former first round pick. But this could be an opportunity for him to get into a new system and, and impress Quentin Snyder and at least get some minutes there. So like you mentioned, you know, Fernando was brought in, in that trade midseason. And that's another thing with this trade is you already made a deal with the Rockets uh, mm-hmm. with Garrison Matthews uh, and Bruno Fernando as well. So that relationship maybe helped as far as the Hawks uh, getting this deal done with Houston. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, there will be a lot of options for Landry Fields when it comes to training camp. You're going to see some mm-hmm. of these guys in summer league too. You got two-way contracts. You got Exhibit 10 contracts, which should get some guys to at least play for College Park yeah. and, and keep their rights as far as them not being taken by any other team. Uh, so I think the Hawks are, are working with some options here and trying to, you know, develop a lot of these guys. You know, I know everyone's talking about short term and what this team mm-hmm. can do next year, but a lot of these plans that Landry and a lot of these moves that he and his staff are doing are also long-term moves as far as what talent they could have down the road that could be, I don't want to say cheap talent, but just kind of, you know, rookie scale contracts and, and lower cost contracts that could help them down the line. I think the the really good thing about Garuba that excites me, you already touched on, you know, his ability to defend and his potential to grow there. But I also think what excites me is that he does have a little bit of versatility that they can move him up uh, to play the four or the five. And I think, in his rookie year, it didn't completely work out well for him there. Um, so the Rockets ended up having him play quite a few minutes at center. He's a little bit undersized there, but again, he adds some depth that the Hawks do need. He's six eight, so yeah, that's not ideal, but he has a size as far as kind of strength. He's two twenty in terms of weight. So I think what excites me though is that he shot forty percent from three, which is up from 25% in his rookie year. So that bodes well for me that he has the potential to continue growing there, Um, you know, especially being a bit more high volume because he only averaged about 0.8 attempts per game. So, you know, he's not shooting 40% at a high volume, but the fact that he's knocking down 40% of the attempts that he is taking, you know, tells me that he, he likely can handle taking shots at a higher volume. And look, we've been dying for a stretch big man. We've been talking about it through text and while we're waiting for free agency, like let's get a big man that can shoot. And maybe this is not the, you know, right away answer, but it is someone that you've at least seen growth from three and, and maybe can take a couple of attempts per game, depending on the situation. But it is nice to have someone like you mentioned with that versatility that can play either spot. If you do go small in a situation, you can put him mm-hmm. at the five and he's a little bit more athletic at the five in that situation. So uh, I'm curious to see how Quinn uses him. But again, with this with this trade, low risk, high reward, kind of like drafting mm-hmm. a second rounder, you get two guys with the potential. If it doesn't work mm-hmm. out, you're not losing a ton of money on the deal. And if it does, you got two guys that Houston really never gave a chance on because they're 
really trying to make a leap as far as the growth of their team. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think that the biggest thing that we'll have to see is how they work out during free, excuse me, not free agency, how they work out in training camp. And the Hawks, I mean, they have a pretty crowded room right now. They have a lot of decisions to make as far as kind of getting the roster and rotation kind of under control. But I think as far as what we saw from last season, we have a pretty solid idea of who is in the rotation and who's going to get the bulk of the minutes. But yeah, we'll we'll continue talking about that. But the other exciting thing that has happened recently, of course, you want to see more moves during free agency, but Summer League's coming up and the Hawks finally revealed who is going to be on the Summer League roster. Of course, there can be some changes that happen. Both Washington and Garuba weren't listed on, on the roster, but since the trades haven't officially gone through yet, the Hawks, of course, can't put them on the Summer League roster, so so maybe we see them there. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Summer League roster after we take a break. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank you guys again for subscribing to the AJC and AJC.com. I I don't think this goes without saying you guys are what make all of this possible. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution does have a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, like me covering the Hawks at Summer League coming up, (laughs) politics, breaking news, uh, investigations, food, dining, and so much more. Plus access to our e-paper that has an assortment of newsletters So you can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. As I mentioned before, we took our break. The Hawks released their summer league roster. It, of course, includes their draft picks from June and then it, involves or includes their draft picks from 
last year. A.J. Griffin and, as I mentioned earlier in the show as well, Tyrese Martin. Also included are V. Krejci, who I kind of had an idea would participate because following the draft, Landry Fields mentioned that there were a few guys on the roster who they expected to participate in Summer League. And I figured that him being kind of a younger guy who didn't get a ton of minutes with the Hawks in their rotation uh, would kind of have this opportunity to showcase how he's developed over the summer. Krejci, his contract heading into this upcoming season as, you know, with Tyrese Martin as well, isn't guaranteed, except with him, his guarantee date is a little bit further off in January, whereas Tyrese Martin, his guarantee date is coming up at the end of this month. So, Daniel, have you gotten a chance to look at this roster? I did. I did. And um, I'm very intrigued, one, just to see this year's draft picks get out there. Kobe Mm -hmm. Bufkin and and Lundy and Gay. Really excited to see Gay and just kind of see what he has and how much he's going to play. Just because I really don't know too much about him. I know a little bit more about Bufkin and Lundy. But a name that really hasn't been mentioned, I don't know how much playing time is going to get, Brady Manick, just based on watching him at North Carolina. He was a guy that was all over the place in a good way. I really liked how he played for North Carolina. And so for me, just curious to see if there's anything to that, if it translates in summer league. And it's one, it's so hard after watching so much summer league the last decade, what you can take away from summer league and what you cannot. I mean, sometimes it's, you get way too excited about a guy and what he does in summer league. Mm -hmm. And then you go, oh, well, it's just summer league. And then you say, this guy had a poor summer league. He shouldn't be doing that against these players. And it's like, again, you have to find the balance. How do you judge and evaluate players for four games or five games? And their playing time is sporadic. The coaches are going to try new things. Mm -hmm. It's new for the coaching staff as well, because the assistant coaches are the ones that are are really taking charge in that. So it is kind of hard, but I am excited about those guys. And to see how much A.J. Griffin plays. How much will he really play in these? Is it more of plays in a couple of the games and then they sit out, sit him out because they don't want to risk injury or is he going to play a little bit in each one? So a few storylines that I'm looking forward to with the summer league team as they begin on July 7th. Yeah, I think for me, as far as what to look for at summer league, I tend to try and observe, are they making kind of improvements as each game goes along as they kind of find a rhythm as they get their feet under them. Again, I don't think you can take too much away from Summer League, but I think the biggest thing is just how do they adapt and adjust from game to game? Like, is there, are they getting better or, (laughs) you know, are they getting worse? (laughs) I think the biggest thing, or excuse me, I think the biggest reason that I take that approach is because I remember covering Kate Cunningham and at my first summer league and he was not very good (laughs) in that first game, but as each game, and I think he ended up playing only two or three, but each subsequent game, you could just tell he was getting more and more comfortable and you could see why it is that the Pistons had taken him at number one, why he was the clear number one in that draft class. So I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, as opposed to having these high expectations that they're going to come out of the gate and absolutely wow you, I think you will kind of enjoy the experience a little bit better, or at least I think you'll be able to learn a little bit more about these players than, like I said, if you have high expectations. But 
I think I'm also excited to see Miles Norris from UC Santa Barbara. The Hawks, it kind of went under the radar a little bit. He signed a two-way contract with the Hawks on draft night. And we, you know, we don't know a ton about him outside of what we know so far. Obviously, you get a chance to see him in college and everything like that. But I think I'm just excited about his size. He's 6'10", 220, and he can shoot it. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to see that, Daniel, because he shot 39% in college at UC Santa Barbara. So, again, the Hawks need as much shooting as they possibly can get. And, of course you can't expect a guy who is on a two-way contract to be making a splash in his first year. He's going to spend a lot of time with College Park, but he he has some really good offensive skill sets. So I'm really excited to see how he kind of works with A.J. Griffin, Tyrese Martin, Kobe Bufkin, Seth Lundy, Muhammad um, Gay, uh, all all throughout summer league. So I, I I feel like if you if we can project starters for summer league, I am gonna say Buffkin at the one. I'm gonna guess AJ at the two. Probably see Veet at the three. I'm wondering, I can't decide if they'll have Gay come off the bench or if he'll start. But if he doesn't start, I would say Norris just because of how well he can shoot and he is on the older end. So he has a little bit more experience than Gay. And then they actually don't have a, looking at the roster, they don't have any true centers. So... Maybe that seven-footer from Serbia. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's kind of my projection, but time will tell. Yeah, I'll you go with you it, on that. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, it, You know, it's for me learning about these guys, too, so to try to put a starting lineup together for me would be pretty foolish right now, but your knowledge of this is, is way better than mine, so I will trust your starting lineup, and again, I, I just am excited. One, that basketball is back for a brief yeah. period of time. We get a little bit of basketball, and just seeing all the other guys, we'll see uh, Victor Wembenyama for the mm-hmm. Spurs, Brandon Miller of Charlotte, Scoot Henderson Scoot of Portland. Henderson. Yeah, yep. so Scoot Henderson, not Scoot Miller, as I said in another podcast, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see those guys play along with, with the Hawks and some of the other first-round picks drafted. I'm also excited to see the Thompson twins. I didn't get a chance to watch them a ton at OTE, uh, Overtime Elite, even though that's literally down the street. So I'm I'm excited to to watch that. But if you guys don't know already, the Hawks' schedule for Summer League is they'll kick things off on July 7th against the Kings. That game will take place at 10.30 p.m., Eastern and it will air on NBA TV. So make sure you get your coffee in so that you can stay up to watch that, um, catch those young guys in action on the first day of summer league. Then they'll play July 9th at 6 30 PM Eastern against the Nuggets, July 12th at 4 PM against the Timberwolves and then 3 30 PM against the 76ers on July 13th. So Lots of basketball coming up 
And if you guys aren't super familiar with the format of Summer League, basically it's like not a round-robin tournament. Would you call this a round-robin tournament, Daniel? It is and it isn't. It's based... they're not playing every team. They're not playing every team. And there's no more pool play or whatever. It's right. just all 30 teams and you get points. I believe based on, I think, quarters one... Halves, or at least it was in the previous. I think it's the yeah. same way. Points, obviously, for a win. I think that's kind of like the tiebreakers. The tiebreakers, yeah. yeah. So you get points for your wins. And I think it's really only the top two teams go to the championship game now. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else gets a consolation game. So you're guaranteed five games. Five games, yeah. But you, you really will kind of know whether you... I think if you lose one, for the most part, you're not going to make the championship. Because I feel like there was teams that... Five or six teams usually go undefeated. So yeah. if you lose one, you're not going to make it. But... For the developmental part, you're guaranteed five games. Absolutely. So I think, you know, the Hawks are really excited about their summer league team. One person was like, our team is stacked. (laughs) So they're really excited about it. But the Hawks have never won the summer league championship since it began in, what, 2013? You got to bring that back to Atlanta. Yeah. Have a pray. And I will be excited. <laughs> the first of hopefully many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're going to answer some questions now because I know this free agency period and the off season does tend to bring up a lot of questions. All right. We actually got a lot of questions. So appreciate everyone that tweeted Lauren. That is at Williams Lauren L. We'll start with Andrew Brotherton. With the Hawks roster currently at 21 players, what do the Hawks do about the log jam? Who stays? Who goes? Well, technically, the Hawks only have 16 players on their roster. Technically. But I understand where they're going with this in terms of the confusion so honestly the second round picks are likely going to be the other two two-way players that the Hawks have and the two-way players won't count toward the quote-unquote 15-man roster they can play up to 50 game regular season games with the with the main team so it's hard to anticipate them playing 50 games unless there are a crap ton of injuries. A few players will likely be waived. We mentioned Tyrese Martin and V. Krejci. They're on non-guaranteed deals. So, you know, they could very well not be a part of the roster. So that, again, now that already takes off, what, five players or four players? Bruno Fernando already mentioned with them bringing Garuba in, it's hard to anticipate that, again, the Hawks guarantee him a deal just because I think their contracts kind of line up a little bit. They're both guaranteed about the same amount of money. And the Hawks already extended the guarantee deadline for Fernando. So the writing is on the wall that they're likely trying to shop him and put him in a deal with something someone else some kind of package the hawks also again acquired rudy gay in the trade that sent john collins to the jazz from what i've heard they're trying to trade him as well (laughs) so he could be in a package that they're trying to shop around and if 
they don't trade him, I've heard that they'll likely waive him. So if you're counting, that's what, six players that I mentioned who likely won't be on the roster. So they're, or not on the roster, but that kind of brings you to that 15-man roster. Yeah, so kind of the summarize everything way too early to figure out how many players <laughs> on the roster and also it'll change come training camp because you'll have 20 or 21 guys on the roster anyways they'll have to cut it down to mm-hmm. 15 guys and, and two two-way players so i think once offseason settles down the new cba oh it's the three new cba allows three two-way players that's why i was like the two second round draft picks will likely be on two-way contracts it's just hard for me to Imagine that with Washington and Garuba that and and Matthews that, you know, they are guaranteed deals. And so since two way contracts don't count toward that 15 man roster, I think now they can carry up to 18 players into the regular season. So we already mentioned Miles Norris. But again, the thing with the thing with two ways as well is that a lot of this stuff is also subject to change because they could very well just, you know, decide to waive them. So that's, that's, that's the tough part is, you know, this is their time to shine and and show again what they're capable of. But I think, I think it's safe to say that Gay and Lundy become two-way players along with Norris, who is already signed to a two-way contract. All right, good question there from Andrew. Another good one from Mason Smith. With John Collins gone, who has the early lead for the starting four spot? Whew. I, if I'm being honest, I think it'll be Sadiq just because he already has so much starter-level experience playing in Detroit. He is kind of my favorite to play the four, but if he doesn't have a good camp, and we know how much Quinn Snyder likes Jalen Johnson. If Jalen Johnson has a really good camp showing that he's taken that next step between his second and now he's entering his third year, who's to say that, it, you know, he he can't kind of take a step forward. But if I'm being honest, I really do think that it's Sadiq who will be that starting four just because of how much experience he has as a starter. He's a bit of a bigger body. He had a really he did a pretty good job as a rebounder. And then when you factor in him playing beside Clint Capella, as well as DeAndre Hunter, that kind of helps to kind of cover your bases a little bit in terms of defense. And who knows? He's he's probably working on his defense this offseason. Let's be honest. That's probably one of the main things that they, the team talked with him about in his exit interview is just kind of stepping up his skills on the defensive end. So, yeah, I, I he's my clear favorite right now. I'm going to combine two because they're sort of on the same subject. I apologize mm-hmm. if I mispronounce this name. Rowie Levy or Levy, do you re- realistically see us getting Siakam? And then at Insane Kane, is there a chance Kobe Bufkin gets traded before July 7th due to a potential Siakam trade? So Kobe can't be traded, I'm told. Draft picks can't be traded until December 15th, I think, is the date. So Buffkin will be on the roster when the season starts. You know, it's it's really hard for me to say that this team gets Siakam, and that's Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. I know that they're they're gunning for him, but 
I don't know. I just, with how much the Raptors have developed him and the fact that, you know, we saw that report a couple of weeks ago about him wanting to stay in Toronto, it's just kind of tough for me to see that the Hawks are able to kind of make a package that would convince the Raptors to to take him on or take or to trade him, excuse me. And the final question from at Glengarry, how's Quinn doing health wise? I've been there and it's no joke hoping he's through it. Yeah, I've heard he's good. Bam, short and sweet. That's the yeah. way to end it. <laughs> Some good questions there. And of course, you can follow Lauren as always on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. If you have any other questions, we will have another podcast next week to wrap up Summer League or to kind of talk about Summer League through those first couple of games. So mm-hmm. if you want to tweet at Lauren, you can at Williams Lauren L. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Report. And like Daniel said, we'll be back next week. 